He was abstaining from meat because he wanted to comply with Jewish law. He was abstaining from meat because if he ate certain kinds of meat, it would transgress the law. If he ate the blood-stained meat, it would transgress the law. If he ate the meat sacrificed to the idols, it would transgress the law. Daniel wasn't doing this because meat was bad. He was doing this as a matter of conscience before the Old Testament law. And the last thing I want to say is this. Um, What troubles me even more about this plan is some of its leaders. I believe that the third... There it is. The third person over there, Dr. Mehmet Oz. You may know him. Dr. Mehmet Oz is a self-acknowledged universalist. He's an advocate of transcendental meditation. He's a member of what is called the New Church, founded by an 18th century Swedish mystic named Emanuel Swedenborg. Um, Dr. Oz's medical credentials are beyond dispute. He's a world-renowned heart surgeon, and he's, he's certainly a medical expert. But in and through all of his books, I would say the popular books, that are given, that are put, put out to culture, in and through each of his health books, you will find intertwined in it um, a, a false gospel that emphasizes Eastern Transcendental Meditation, that emphasizes his new church, um, that emphasizes his universalist views. From the church's website that he attends, the requirements, note, note this, I don't have it up here, just listen. The requirements for salvation are simple. Live well, Believe rightly and you'll be saved. We believe that all people who live good lives, no matter what their religion, have a place in heaven. And Saddleback puts this man on the stage. It's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And I, I can look you in the eye and say unequivocally that I have defended Pastor Warren and I've defended, past, and I've defended Saddleback Church for years. I have many people who will come through the door and because we're a small church, they think that we're just going to bash on megachurches. Not true. Not true. In fact, Saddleback has done things we will never dream to do around the world. And Rick Warren has for many, many years been an exemplary, in my opinion, has had an exemplary um, life, example of Jesus Christ. Uh, he always, I think, does very well on, on you know, Shows you know, like the Larry King Live that he used to go on and others. But this, I have to respectfully say that we, we, we must not compromise here. The Daniel plan being purported by this church is, is wrong. And I encourage you to steer clear of it. And I encourage you, if you know somebody who's participating in it, that you might respectfully and humbly seek to educate them about the actual interpretation of Daniel 1.8 and about the spiritual beliefs of men like Dr. Oz which undergird so much of his medical advice. That was a little more than two minutes. But I, I really felt that it was worth bringing up and warning you about. Let's go back to the text for just a moment. Verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. Why? Because he did not want to transgress the law. And take note of how Daniel went about refusing to compromise. Let's come back now. We, uh, the, the theme here is respectfully refusing to compromise. 
Take note of how Daniel went about refusing to compromise. He began with a request. He showed respect for those in power over him. And the Scripture says in verse 9 that God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. But the chief of the eunuchs was hesitant. He was hesitant to grant Daniel's request. He was worried about his own head. And so Daniel respectfully pressed on and he appealed to others. Notice verse 11. So Daniel said to the steward of the chief of the eunuchs, who was set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, verse 12, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And, uh, and as you see fit, at that time, as you see fit, so deal with your servants. You know, when I was growing up, my sister and I, we were always uh, going back and forth on what to play that day. And I watched Bennett and Mallory, and they're doing the same thing. They're, they're kind of looking at each other, and they're trying to figure out what to play, how to play today, you know, what, what games they're going to play, what imagina- imaginative games they're going to do. And back when my sister and I were young, uh, my sister would o- was always, always trying to get me to play Barbies. It was so pathetic. I mean, she was just, I, I hated Barbies. I hated Barbies. But, and she knew that, but she also knew that there was a chance I would play Barbies. But only under extreme circumstances would I play Barbies. And so she knew that there was some compromise that would need to be worked out to play something that I liked too. And so time and time again, my sister would try to find a suitable compromise, but to no avail. Then one day, Then one day, she said something that stands out in infamy from my childhood. And and it started off kind of normally. You know, she started off, Katie looked at me and said, uh, Hey, Neil, you want to play Barbies today? No. Oh, please, pretty please, come on, let's play Barbies today. No, I'm not playing Barbies today. (sighs) She thought about it and then she said it. I'll be your best friend. I'll play Batman and Robin. Have you ever played Batman and Robin? It is unreal. My wife and I play Batman and Robin all the time. Once my sister said, I'll be your best friend, I'll play Batman and Robin, I said, where's the Ken doll? I'm ready to play Barbies now. Because Batman and Robin, for me, was, was it. It was the greatest. And so I would do whatever she wanted if she would compromise and play Batman and Robin with me. And so, Scott, if you want to play Barbies with me, you've got to play Batman and Robin first. Daniel respectfully persisted. He respectfully persisted. He knew that there was something that he had to give here in order to do what he wanted to do in the end. And now does not, not touch that meat. He knew he had to give up something great. And so this is what he said. He persists and persists. And in verse 11, he turns to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over him, and he said, please, test me. Give me ten days. Ten days. And I will not eat the meat. I will simply eat the vegetables. And I'll simply drink the water. And then you look at me 
And let my appearance and let our appearance be considered. And as you see fit, you deal with me then. Daniel was under no, uh, let, me, let me see this, implicit in Daniel's persistence. Implicit in his compromise, if you will. This negotiation, I should say. Implicit in it was Daniel's belief that God would sustain him. Daniel was under no illusion that a diet entirely devoid of meat was going to make him stronger and more fit than others. And Daniel didn't have access to protein shakes. He knew it was a risk. And so did his superiors. That's why he had to lobby so hard to get that deal. But Daniel refused to eat the king's meat. And so he was willing to risk it all in order to avoid defiling God's law. And so he said to his superior, give me ten days and see what happens. And the steward agreed. He gave Daniel ten days. The Daniel plan, if you will. And Daniel placed himself at the mercy of God for those ten days. And how did God respond? Notice verse 15. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine which they were to drink and gave them only vegetables. So great was God's sustenance of Daniel and his companions that after ten days of testing, Daniel and his friends were found to be superior in fitness and in health compared to those who ate the king's food. It was the hand of God. It was the hand of God. It defied all odds. I can assure you, you go ten days with just fruit and veggies without any protein, and you compare that with a person who goes with a balanced diet, you will notice a difference between the two. And this person will appear much fitter and stronger and healthier. This was a work of God. This was a work of God. Daniel, through a quiet resolve in God and a respect toward those over him, kept his conscience clean and found favor in the eyes of God and man. Another early church father, Jerome, wrote this about this passage. He said, By the bountiful favor of the Lord, Daniel received favor and compassion in the sight of the prince of the eunuchs. By this we may understand that even under pressing circumstances, holy people are loved by unbelievers. It is a matter of the mercy of God. Now, Jerome here, he's not under any illusion that this is always the case. He's speaking proverbially here. But this, this fourth century theologian, he got it. He was saying, look, when, when you have something, when you've got, you've got God's law over here and you've got man's law over here, you've got what you, what you need to do for God over here, and sometimes the law of the land transgresses God's law. But Jerome says, look, when you, when you instead of pridefully defying yourself, uh, d- d- being pridefully defiant and saying, I will not before the governor or the king or Pharaoh or the president. Rather than having this defiant and prideful look, Jerome says, why don't, you, why don't you engender some sympathy and come alongside them and say, hey, look, you know, 
I see that rule. I see that law. But you know what? I serve the Lord God. And in the Bible, it teaches this. And I need you to understand something that it's hard for me to transgress God's law and to obey this. So will you help me find a way where we can come to an understanding? And you know what? That respect, that honor that you show that superior, that you show that governor, that president, that pharaoh, that Caesar, whoever it is, that king, that honor and that respect goes a long way. That's why Paul says, honor the king. Honor the king. Honor your superiors. You don't have to defy them with pride. You can come alongside them and beseech them. And it's often the case that holy people are even loved by unbelievers because it is a matter of the mercy of God. John Walvoord says this in, in closing. In every age, God is looking for those whom He can use. Here were four young men whose testimony has been a source of strength to every saint in temptation. Daniel and his companions represent the godly remnant of Israel which preserve the testimony of God even in dark hours of apostasy and divine judgment. God is looking for men like Daniel. He's looking for women to rise up in the example of Daniel. And rather than pridefully defy someone, in, in, in authority over them. He's saying, why not come respectfully to them and respectfully refuse to compromise God's law? You may see a difference in the way you are responded to. I close with this. In, in Sweden and in Canada, um, pastors have been incarcerated for refusing to marry homosexual couples. Make no mistake, this is happening. This is happening. In Sweden and in Canada, pastors have been incarcerated for refusing to marry homosexual uh, couples. And I've read some stories in which some of the pastors have been uh, notably defiant in their conversation, if you will, with reporters and with authorities over them. I'm waiting for one of those pastors to speak respectfully and to speak openly and cautiously about their faith. And I've yet to see it. And I wonder, when the day comes, if the day comes, where the United States of America becomes a land in which our pastors are ordered by our government, God forbid one day, to marry someone that they know they cannot marry, I wonder what will be our response. I wonder if we will follow in the ways of Sweden and Canada or if we will follow in the ways of Daniel, who respectfully came alongside the king and his superiors and said, please, I beg of you, do not make me transgress my conscience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we will not defy you. We are resolved, Lord, to honor you and to honor your word. And at the same time, Lord, help us not to be pridefully defiant of anyone who would come against Your Word. God, we do not wish to look upon presidents, upon governors, upon kings and officials. We do not wish to pridefully defy them. 
Instead, Lord, we wish to humbly honor You. Humbly obey You. And I pray that we would take a cue from the example of Daniel and his companions. That we would respectfully refuse to compromise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.